0: friends there are many coincidences in life and on this show we cannot find a greater coincidence than the year 1994 in which there were not one but two unauthorized television movies about roseanne barr and tom arnold the romeo and juliet of waffle house Ray and I will do a deep dive into both of these movies, comparing and contrasting the legacy that they bring out. Ray will take on Roseanne and Tom, and I will take on Roseanne and unauthorized biography. Um, The only way you can hear this comparing and contrasting is by going over to patreon.com and becoming a $5 a month or more member. And uh, that's the old Lucy level for you newbies, the old Lucy level. And you can hear us discuss the phenomenon that is the Roseanne Barr, Tom Arnold, television movies. Let me just do this MySpace board quiz real quick before I start the episode. Should we take a second? Show name. This was a thing. Episode title. MySpace, duh. Episode number. Oh, geez, that's a little personal. Um, in the 40s? Someone you could take off of your top eight and know that they'd be mad. Oh, that's easy. That's right. He's such a loser. Okay. And boast. Hey, did you just take me off your top eight? A simpler time. Myspace this week on This Was a Thing. This was a thing. This was
1: a thing. Yo, girl. Remember Blink-182? This was a thing. Everyone knew The flight of the balloon boy And the fall of my space And it's nipple slipping This
2: was a thing It hardly bling Freddy got fingered It was a thing This was
1: a thing
2: Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was
0: a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are looking at MySpace. Yes. Now, this was a thing because it was one of the first successful, if not the most successful, social network. Sure, there were chat rooms united by interest, and there were even things like Six Degrees and Makeout Club and Friendster. But there was something special about MySpace, something that would let the world know specifically who you were by just a simple glance at your homepage. Plus, it was a great way to keep your unruly friends in line by moving them in and out of your top Oh, my God. So in the beginning days of the Internet, it was thought that the World Wide Web, uh, (laughs) according to Vice President Gore, would be able to show you news, do some shopping, communicate with people all around the world in chat rooms targeted to your interests. People thought it was going to be an educational thing in a way of bonding people do you want to discuss being black in america there's a chat room for that do you want to discuss the problems in the middle east there is a chat room for that want to discuss what was happening on the latest episode of friends there is a chat room for that want to just be an individual not lumped together by a theme there is not a chat room
2: for that want to be a guy dressed up as a dog and be dominated
0: okay man there's a chat room for that make sure To bring a leash and a lawyer. Is there a way to create a sort of profile (laughs) of yourself that was more detailed and more individual than what was in the chat rooms or on individual blogs? The Italian inventor, Marconi, uh, who did not have internet, once calculated that technology would someday enable contact with any human on the planet through 5.83 people. That we were all connected by five people. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, and... Taking that Marconi slash Kevin Bacon theory.
2: (laughs) Macaroni and bacon.
0: Andrew. Oh, that actually sounds sounds good. That sounds so good. Oh, I'm hungry. Can we take a break? Yeah. Andrew Weinreich thought so, that this would be a, a pretty cool concept, because in 1997, he launched Six Degrees com Oh, were you part of Six Degrees.com? Uh, no, but I always,
2: I, sh- I always felt like I needed to bring a jacket if I went there, though.
0: It was named after the Six Degrees of Separation concept, and on this, the first like social networking thing that kind of took off, you could list your friends and your family members, on your coworkers, both on the site and externally. And then, if you were an external contact, you were invited to join the site. So, for example, I would put in the email addresses of all my friends, and if my friends already had one, great, they would get added. And let's say, Ray, that I added you, I added your email address, and you did not have a Six Degrees page, you would get consistent emails and reminders, come join us, come join us, come join us. So that way, you could be part of the Six Degrees Club. Now, on Six Degrees, you could send messages to each other. I could post on your bulletin board in my first, second, and third degrees and I could see how people were connected to one another. There was no charge. There was no charge. It was okay. free. And uh, there were free bulletin boards. There was a free email service. You could message each other online all as long as you filled out a brief information form. And you gave the addresses of 10 friends. What? The email addresses. Of ten friends, oh, okay. Not the actual like physical addresses, yeah, the say, email addresses of ten friends. Wait, do
2: you need like the postal code after <laughs> the zip code? Like, do you need the five and then the dash and four? Or just I can't do
0: that. Yeah, I don't know all that kind of stuff. And what had started in 1997 with 150 people in New York City blossomed into a service that added 4,000 members every 24 hours. Oh my god! So it was a nice way of connecting people. And not to be outdone, my friend, and only three years after Six Degrees launched, Gibby Miller came along and brought the world Makeout Club in <sighs> 2000, which introduced features and concepts such as customizable user profiles with photos and what? interest sections that are now the standard in social networking. I have to get my scanner hooked up. Now, the site said it was for, quote, indie rockers, <laughs> hardcore kids. Record collectors, artists, bloggers, and hopeless romantics. And dudes into hentai. Actually, yes. <laughs> now, Makeout Club grew to add fully featured user profile pages, image galleries, message boards, blogs, private mail, private galleries, and crush lists, which was an early matchmaking feature. And despite its its name, Mr. Miller insisted that during the site's infancy that it was not a dating site, but a place to make friends. So what this was (laughs) was it was like, remember the emo hot topic-ish phase that everybody went through? So it was specifically that type of music that united these individuals. So if you were going onto this site, you were probably a really hardcore indie rocker. Could there be a way of combining these two websites so it was the connections of Six Degrees and the personal individualization of Makeout Club? Take it away, Jonathan Abrams, because he is the man that gave us 2003's Friendster. Friendster allowed users to directly contact other members, maintain those contacts, and share online content and media with those contacts. I have this VHS I want to share with you. That's going to be a problem. Plus, it could be used for dating. And you could share your videos, photos, messages, and comments with other members via profiles and networks. This was so popular that it had 3 million users within the first few months of its launch. And Google offered to buy out Friendster for $30 million, but Friendster declined. Which led to its eventual demise as a social networking site. They say one of the biggest blunders in Silicon Valley history is when Friendster said, no, Google. Did you have a Friendster? No, Friendster was always,
2: I think I was just removed from Friendster, but it's always been. Like, like you were
0: taken off of
2: Friendster? <laughs> uh, they said I wasn't friendly. Um, No, it was It was always one of those things that was like a joke of pop culture. Like, oh yeah, Friendster profile. But did you ever have one? I did not. My,
0: my first social media actually was a MySpace. Mine too. I think I might have a live journal before that, but... Oh, I did have a live journal. I did have a live journal, yeah. So when Friendster launched, some very savvy folks over at eUniverse, which was an internet marketing company, saw the great things Friendster was doing and thought they could expand and improve on it. Specifically, customization of your page with looks, colors, music, themes, etc. Because remember, all the other things, Makeout Club, Six Degrees, and Friendster... And now Facebook all have pretty much the same exact layout and template. It could not reflect your personality. The people over at Universe had an idea, and they're like, maybe we can change that. Now, I don't need to read, if you like Lizzie McGuire, that wallpaper of Lizzie McGuire. And the song playing tells me all I need to know that you also love Lizzie McGuire. And that was my goal. I know, man. I remember. Now, the guys that came up with this idea were... Who I, the guys that I like to call the Ernie and Bert of Silicon Valley, Krista <laughs> Wolf and Tom Anderson. Tom! Now, Krista Wolf was a businessman with polish. He was like a bit restrained. He was a family man, a businessman. Anderson, Tom Anderson, was in trucker hats, flannels. He loved music. The coolest guy. He was the front man of a band God. called Swank. The two met in 2000 when Anderson, who was deep in student debt, answered an ad to earn $20 testing a product for X-Drive, a... Data storage company um, that uh, DeWolf was in charge of. He hated the XDrive product, but DeWolf, um, who was the head of the company's sales and marketing, he liked Anderson's candor, and he offered him a job. So when the company they both worked for was a victim of the dot-com boom, the pair's second venture, an internet marketing firm called ResponseBase took off and they sold that to e-universe and then they both joined eUniverse in 2002 and tom decided that social networking should be their next big bet and he said quote i had looked at dating sites and niche communities like black planet asian avenue and Mijente, as well as friendster and i thought they're thinking way too small now you're laughing but those were actual names of social networking platforms back in the early 2000s. But first, they needed a name for what they were trying to accomplish. And DeWolf remembered that he had bought the URL myspace.com thinking that he might start a web hosting company, but realized the name better fit this social network experiment. So, who are they going to go after first? Musicians, because musicians are sexy. And man, he ran swank. First profile. Swag. Swank. So MySpace launched in 2003 with Anderson and DeWolf inviting LA bands and club owners to post and create pages and allowed other users to become their quote unquote friends. All of these creative people became ambassadors for MySpace by using MySpace as their de facto promotion platform. So, in a way, they're actually becoming the first influencers now that you, the audience, have a direct line to your favorite musician. You could write on their wall and tell them what you liked. You could write on their wall and say what you did not like. DeWolf said, adding, quote, people like to talk about music, so the band set up a natural environment to communicate, right? So in 2004, this is where I think MySpace is really brilliant, they became a full-fledged internet Indie Music Portal with the creation of MySpace Music, which was then a subsection of MySpace. Now, this new area let bands not only create an online presence, but you could also stream their music on MySpace from their profile, and you could download their songs, and it cost you zero dollars. This attracted even more musicians to get their name out there, but also the most important demographic also came because you were getting music and you were getting it for free. That was teenagers and 20-somethings, and throughout MySpace history, artists like R.E.M., Franz Ferdinand, Billy Corrigan, the Black Eyed Peas, and Nine Inch Nails have all released albums on or tracks on MySpace before they were officially released in stores. Now, if you remember MySpace, my friends, uh, there were some rules Members had to be at least 13 years old, and the profiles of members younger than 16 cannot be viewed by members older than 18. That was an order to reduce access by potential sexual predators, which was a complaint of parents. How did MySpace control this? It was the honor system. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it was the honor system. What if you wanted to add, like, your parent? Oh, we're going to talk about okay. parents <laughs> in a second. Now, your name... Was not really your name. It wasn't like Ray Hebel or Rob Schneider the way it is on Facebook. In fact, you had to have a handle like mine was No Woody Simon Twenty Four, and yours was Our Man Hebel. Yeah, I, I that was my that was my social media. Go-to. Where does that name come from?
2: From Our Man Flint,
0: the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually I'm not even going to tell you the Woody Simon Twenty Four one because <laughs> it was Woody Allen plus Neil Simon Twenty Four hours a day.
2: Oh, I thought the Twenty Four was
0: for Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a big. lakers fan nice lakers fan i'm a big lakers fan i could tell and to connect everyone even if you were lonely you had an automatic friend and that was tom anderson meaning we were all connected through tom tom would always be your first friend and there was tom in a small square smiling at you in front of that whiteboard with his george clooney caesar haircut sporting his white t-shirt Looking behind, smiling at you. With a huge cock. Beautiful eyes. <laughs> and an ass that could stop time. He's actually, I think Tom is actually very cute, but the, but the pixelated image I don't think shows that too well. Yeah, but you could tell it's a genuine smile. Actually, let's talk about Tom a little bit. Here's Tom talking about MySpace. And, and Friendster was first, and we were trying to compete, so when people
2: signed up, they wouldn't see anything. That's boring. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: I put myself as this person that could connect everyone else so you'd see people right when you signed up. That was the idea. And uh, within a week, we couldn't handle the load of of processing that network, so we just got rid of it. How many friends do you officially have now? I think we're up to 175 million. For your official friends? Yeah. How many do you get to meet? Do people recognize you? Do people walk up to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, not everyone, but um, I meet a lot of people every day, yeah.
0: I like Tom. Now, to explore your extended network, so this is how you could, you know, add friends. You would go to one of your friends' profiles. You would see who's in their friend space, right? Their friends list. You would click on a picture to visit one of those people's profiles. You could then see who's in that person's friend space and just work your way down the line. It's definitely not the easiest way to play the (laughs) Kevin Bacon game. Now, you can request to add anyone on your friend space. And if your invitation is accepted, you can send that person emails, instant messages, links to a band you discovered in MySpace Music, and anything else that you can you might wanna share with your friends. No, anything? Here, well, here's the thing. You didn't have any sort of privacy settings, so anyone could go and look on your MySpace page. So, like you said, with your parents, your parents could go and look at your MySpace page. Uh, that's gonna be a problem. Now, your profile page was a reflection Of you, you could change the colors, you could change the font, you could change the pictures, you could say what you wanted, there was no hate speech. How was that monitored? Mostly on the honor system. system. You could post what you want, be careful on full nudity kids, honor system. And you could also add things like your birthday, your favorite books, your favorite TV shows, your favorite music, an about me section. And of course, the most controversial MySpace feature, the top eight. See, folks, you had the ability to highlight your top eight friends on your profile page. And there was always angry, heated discussions about who was in the top eight and what order the top eight appeared, who was first, who was second. The number of times I got into fights over this was astounding. And with my best friend, if she pissed me off, I would immediately take her out of my top eight. And she would get so pissed uh, at me. Of course you did. Did you ever have any top eight scuffles?
2: I mean, not really
0: scuffles, but I remember it was always like mindful
2: and stuff and but I think I was more mindful of like where I was on other people's top eight. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. Like it, or if I still made it, I was very in my head in my uh, late. Did teens. you ever check
0: my MySpace to see if you were in my top eight? I don't remember checking yours because I just assume I never made yours. That would be correct. Yeah. Now there's a couple of things that were besides your top eight uh, obligatory to have on your on your MySpace. First of all, most people picked a profile song. So when you clicked oh, on yeah. on the page, you would automatically hear a song. But it was annoying because remember when you would click on someone's page. It would start blasting music at you. Oh, yeah. And then you would click on someone else's page, and that music would be blasting with the old music, so you had to just mute everybody. Yeah. Now, one of the favorite things also on MySpace was you could have a bulletin board, oh, which is sort great. of like your Facebook wall, but on it, you could write your About Me section. Tell me about you. Ray, let's go back to 2004, 2005. Ray, give me your About Me section, please. Hey, you guys got any extra Mountain
2: Dew Livewire? LOL. Hey, I'm I'm Ray. Um catch me at Moore Park High School theater uh, this week um we will be do uh, Guys and Dolls playing M- May 2nd through 4th matinee <laughs> on Sunday. That's
0: good. Okay. That's like good. That. What That's about you? Good. Oh mine. Oh it was probably like a bunch of like inspirational like theater quotes and stuff like that like art is what you make it Arthur oh, Miller sure. you know. Oh my you know what a big one was it was a John Waters quote which I always had up there which was if at least one person laughs it's not in bad taste. Now there was a thing also on there called who I'd like to meet which normally was supposed to be I think like originally like inspirational like who I'd like to meet like I want to meet Mother Teresa well she's dead so you can't meet her. Oh okay. But for a lot of people it was like their dating thing so you had to describe like what your future mate was going to be. There was also a section about what musicians you could follow. Which musicians did you follow? 2005, Ray, what musicians did you follow? Oh, geez. Like Blood Brothers,
2: uh, Bear vs. Shark, who's still my favorite band. Thank you very much. Uh, they're not around anymore. Um I was doing, I'm sure I did kitschy stuff. And I also remember one of the pictures on my side about me was like me with a cigarette in my mouth. Then I was like 16 or 17. I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm so fucking cool.
0: So how exactly does MySpace roll out? So because MySpace was being created in an already functioning internet company, it made things a lot easier to launch and troubleshoot when it got launched in August of 2003. In a brilliant strategy, not only were the first MySpace users employees... Okay. Of e-universe, they held competitions to see who could sign up the most users. Plus, e-universe already had 20 million users who could be targeted directly, which meant MySpace moved up really quickly in the social network hierarchy. And the idea of, hey, You can have a profile, and it's individualistic. It doesn't have to be the same layout and template as everyone else is using. Made people want to express themselves. Now, there was a brief discussion of charging users, but Chris and Tom flat out rejected that idea because they founded MySpace on the principles of user control, grassroots growth and authenticity. Now, that didn't make potential investors happy who kept saying giving control to the public is the worst thing because look how bad people are making their sites. (laughs) And like I said, any stranger could peruse any profile, join the community and post pretty much anything he or she or they pleased, which made any investor nervous, but it excited eUniverse because of the control the user had in their hands. That's going to change the game. We will give you the tools, you do with it what you wish. It's sort of like when you build Ikea furniture. <laughs> yeah. We will give you the tools, now do what you want with it. And you're like, this is a beautiful chair. And they're like, that's a bookshelf, sir. Ah. Well, why am I sitting on it? Well, investors were very nervous, and even eUniverse was a little nervous. eUniverse got a new CEO, a guy by the name of Richard Rosenblatt, who knew that social networking was the way of the future. And he told the guys, quote, keep doing what you're doing. E-Universe was losing $4 million a quarter, and even though they had no revenue, he pulled money from their profitable businesses to support MySpace because he thought Chris and Tom were the most innovative marketers he had ever met. Now, while some would say that E-Universe was excited about connecting people and changing the future of the Internet, others would say that they didn't care who Chris and Tom were— Or what they were creating, they just wanted a place to distribute their advertisements. (laughs) There's a guy by the name of Sean, uh, Sean Percival. Sean
2: Percival!
0: (laughs) He's Jerry Lewis's nephew. Sean Percival, who was MySpace's Veep of online marketing in 2009. This was, like, after the platform was created and was already up and running. And he said, quote, all eUniverse wanted to do was build a social network so they could have distribution for their ads selling these horrible products to people. Hey, friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh,
2: look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real
0: quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us head on over to patreon.com and
2: send us some money and in return you will get access to merch special
0: episodes bonus content pictures of me shirtless okay okay that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. search this was a thing and help us out but you know what you've already helped us out today by listening to us and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that so thank you thank you So now regardless of the reason, it was starting to pick up traction because Friendster was having some tech glitches. Like their page load times were 20 to 30 seconds while MySpace's were just two or three seconds. Then Friendster also wanted to make sure only people were part of Friendster. So if a page was a pet or a philosophy or a city, like, hey, come visit lovely Los Angeles, California. Friendster got rid of it. They only wanted people. And if it was too risque, you had to go too. What? So MySpace wouldn't kick you off. In fact, they would welcome you, especially anything young and sexy and hip was welcomed at MySpace. Like Tom. Like Tom. Like Tom. And this is where we meet the true star of MySpace. Tila Tila.
2: Tequila. I was
0: hoping. St. Tila of the internet. So folks, you might not remember the name Tila Tequila, but Tila Tequila was a stunningly beautiful Playboy model and singer who was consistently getting kicked off of Friendster for her pictures, even though so many people wanted to see them and connect to her. So finally, she made the move to MySpace, where she had in 2006 more than 1.5 million friends. Her profile had been viewed more than 50 million times, and her self-posted song, Fuck you, man. Had logged 13 million spins. She got somewhere from 3,000 to 5,000 new friend requests every day. She was something entirely new. It was a celebrity created not by a studio or by a network, not even by her talent, but fan by fan, click by click, from the ground up on MySpace. For me, MySpace can really be divided into two eras, pre-Tila and post-Tila. Pre-Tila, your MySpace friends were mostly people that you actually knew. Post-Tila, the biggest game on the site then became who has the most friends and didn't care who they were. I just wanted the most friends. And then Tila said once they saw how I worked it, everyone did what I did and started promoting themselves. And so you would try to collect as many friends as possible so your numbers would grow. For what purpose? Just to look popular, of course. So Tila, in a lot of ways, is also our first like individual influencer and popularity was important for myspace's biggest users who were 16 to 25. Of course there were people younger than that, but they lied to get into the site, all wanting to express themselves without mom, dad, or their step parents telling them what to say and how to say it, and of course, because anyone could view your page, I am sure there were many parents that got a nice idea of little Kyle's hobbies, which I'm sure included devil worshipping. But it's not just for kids. People in their 30s are looking at it for a place to meet a partner. Business folks are looking at it for potential customers, and older people might be looking for a date or companionship. And if you were undiscovered talent, you could post your music looking for representation. In fact, some really big people that had careers but pretty big people were using myspace as a place to launch for example in october of 2004 rem posted an album to myspace and once they did it thousands of smaller name musicians then started going to myspace saying if rem can do it we can do it december of 2004 you could go and visit the profile of hillary duff and you could download three of her songs for free on a page surrounded by a marketing pitch for secret sparkle deodorant This was also, there was a new technology in 2005, you might not have heard of it, called YouTube, and MySpace users had the ability to embed YouTube videos into their MySpace profiles. MySpace also had MySpace Mobile to access and edit one's profile and communicate with and view the profiles of other members on your phone, plus they gave you classified ads so I could also find a job on MySpace. So with all the possible ways of connecting growth and potential revenue, it took only a year or so before MySpace attracted the eyes of some very... Wealthy men. The man, Rupert Murdoch. Fox News' very own Thunder from Down Under. MerchSpace. MerchSpace, <laughs> Rupert Murdoch. 2005 was a uh, watershed year for MySpace. At the beginning of the year, they turned down Mark Zuckerberg's offer to buy the fledgling conformist, 2004's Facebook, for $75 million. They were like, that's too expensive, and it's aimed only at college students, not the entire world. And you can't personalize it, Mark. So take your $75 million offering, get out of here. Later that year, Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation bought Intermix Media, that was eUniverse's new name, for a whopping $580 million. He didn't really want anything that eUniverse slash Intermix Media was offering, except MySpace. He just wanted MySpace. The feeling was that News Corp, could drive MySpace users to News Corp's news outlets as well as specific advertising. So with more than 15 billion views a month on MySpace, he he wasn't wrong. This was a smart idea. Murdoch was quite clear to the very nervous Chris and Tom who were like, we don't want this to become a corporate. He said, look, you do you. I'm not going to interfere. Just keep doing what you're doing. I won't interfere. By the way, we're moving you. From your nice, relaxed, laid-back Santa Monica offices to my building in Beverly Hills. So suddenly what was like laid-back and fast food everywhere was now gray cubicles in a big office building. They went from eating to McDonald's around the corner to the only place that they could find was the restaurant at the Four Seasons. Uh. So it's going to change a little bit. And in their defense, Chris and Tom were like, oh, why are we doing this? Never trust Rupert, kiddos. If we've learned anything, don't trust him. MySpace at this point, like I said, it was just unstoppable. It was registering 320,000 new users per day. It had overtaken Yahoo to become the most visited website in the USA, all because of the site's engagement factors. Then they went global, launching MySpace for other countries, MySpace Canada, MySpace Mexico, MySpace the Netherlands. And actually, speaking of the Netherlands, it's 100th million profile was created in the Netherlands in August of 2006. 100 million profiles around the world. It's crazy. Then Google comes along and Google guaranteed $900 million over three years for the exclusive rights to web based search results and links on MySpace. And soon MySpace went from 1 million in ad revenue a month to 30 million. And at its peak, when News Corp attempted to merge it with Yahoo in 2007, MySpace was valued at $12 billion. But as we know, my friends, all good things must come to an end. The Google deal was great, but it required more ads on pages, which led to slower speeds and more cluttered pages. Internally, there were struggles between DeWolf, Crystal Wolf and News Corp because News Corp was like, we want to focus on near-term monetization as opposed to thinking about long-term product strategy. Now, remember Facebook? Remember Mark Zuckerberg? He's only concerned about like what makes it easy for the users, and he does, he's not concerned about revenue. He's like, revenue will come. He's like, let's just make this easy for the users to begin with. And the midst of struggling to say that they were more than a site based around music and entertainment features – and all these ads are popping up, and Facebook is starting to creep up there, Connecticut Attorney General Richard Blumenthal launched an investigation into children's exposure to pornography on MySpace, and the resulting media frenzy and MySpace's inability to build an effective spam filter gave the site a reputation as a, quote, uh, vortex of perversion. And soon MySpace was where you went for seediness, And unsafe practices. Facebook was safe. It was secure. It had standards. There are a couple of horror stories that came out of MySpace that also did not help this. There was a girl by the name of Catherine Lester, and she was 16 years old. She secretly left her Michigan home to fly to the Middle East to meet with her Palestinian boyfriend who she met on MySpace. Any update? Yes, she broke up with the guy uh, whose name was Abdullah Jinzawi on Dr. Phil. Oh, good. And then this was, this was sad. There was a girl by the name of Megan Meyer in Missouri. She was 13 years old, and she committed suicide after being bullied on MySpace. And where it gets really bizarre is that there was a woman by the name of Lori Drew who was a neighbor who had a teenage daughter. Lori, the mother, created a fake MySpace account claiming to be a 16-year-old boy named Josh Evans who was interested in Megan. And then he began sending harassing messages to her. And uh, Megan uh, hung herself uh, because of the harassing messages. This was a fake account and it was not another child. It was a mother that was doing this. The mother was convicted of only three misdemeanors, and those were of uh, accessing MySpace without authorization, and uh, a federal judge overturned those verdicts. So uh, Lori got away with, with murder. And you also, like I, I, we've said this before, but you also know it's bad when SNL is, is coming after you. This is an SNL sketch where Andy Sandberg is teaching adult learners how to create a MySpace. And in the class, there's one woman, played by Gia Louis-Dreyfus, and then all men looking a little creepy.
1: Uh, Now, the first step in creating your MySpace page is to fill out your profile. Things like your name, sex,
0: and age. With the age thing, could my uh, child put a different age than his actual age?
1: Yeah, I guess they could.
0: And MySpace doesn't have a way to police that? Not really. So if my son was 45, he could say he was 15? Your son is 45? I said if he was 45. Hypothetical.
1: Well, yeah, technically he could say any age he wanted, but why would he do that?
0: Well, sometimes people from one age group feel more comfortable around people of another age group. Um, maybe he wants to put what age his soul is and not what age he actually is. No matter what these creepy guys want to do, it's all legal in the world of MySpace because there's really no way to police any of it. And of course, with all of this corporate then started materializing in the world of Facebook, the lawyers came in, the accountants, everything came in. They had 40 to 50 lawyers on staff. They were spending $800,000 a month on external lawyers. Once this thing was a fast rocket to success, and now it's a slow train to nowhere. They tried many things. They tried MySpace TV, but no one really watched it. They tried doing vertical things like MySpace Books where you could come to review books. If you remember when they used to put out karaoke tracks where oh, you yeah. could sing, but then the, like, the tracks never worked and there was always a glitch. They then open offices around the world uh, to the tunes of millions of dollars because they think that that's going to help everything. Meanwhile, Facebook is still sitting in their office going like, people will come to us. We don't need to, to branch out like that. And it seems like All of these things were happening because in a earnings call, Rupert Murdoch said, we will make $1 billion and then everyone had to find ways to make the boss happy and get to that $1 billion mark. So like for an example, HarperCollins Publishers, they went to MySpace and they're like, we want you to create MySpace books. Here's $500,000 for that. Where before MySpace would have been like, this isn't what we do. Now they were like, oh, good. $500,000, that's getting us close to the billion-dollar stuff. And what about increasing user engagement with ad content? Oh, boy. This is where we have something called punch the monkey you remember Punch the Monkey? I feel like I remember something. There was a monkey. You had to click on an animated monkey. You had to punch him to win some kind of prize. But that usually linked through to surveys and requirements to sure. sign up for credit cards or other services to qualify. I remember all that kind of shit. For said prize. So by 2009, Murdoch was not pleased that MySpace had not only not broken the $1 billion in revenue goal he had set, nor had it really bumped any Fox News outlets. So eventually, Anderson, Tom stepped down and Crystal Wolf got replaced. And the changes to MySpace's executive ranks, that that then followed in June of 2009, where they laid off 37.5% of its workforce, reduced employees from 1,600 to 1,000, and it was the same year that MySpace was like, we're going to change our interface, and they rolled out this dramatic overhaul to the interface of the site. How many times do you go onto Facebook and they've changed the interface, and all you listen to is people complaining that they've changed the interface? And it's not even that different. And it's not that different. different, but same thing happened on MySpace. Then in 2010, MySpace attempted to turn the ship around with a recommendation engine, stronger privacy settings, game notifications, They were going to Facebook at that point. Everyone was just going to Facebook. They felt Facebook was cleaner, easier, and safer. And then they were like, we're not doing the social networking stuff anymore. We're just going to be a social entertainment site. You can follow bands. You can follow TV shows. You can follow movies. And in March of 2011, MySpace had lost 10 million users between January and February of that year. Oh, my God. And it had fallen from 95 million to 63 million unique users during the previous year. Advertisers are like, we don't want to do long-term deals with the site. And then finally, in February of 2011, News Corp was like, we're putting it up for sale. It was estimated at that time to be worth anywhere between 50 to $200 million. But losses from the last 2010 quarter were 156 million dollars God. the deadline for bids of myspace which ended on may 31st 2011 passed without any above the reserve price of 100 million dollars being submitted and then in 2011 june of 2011 myspace announced that it had been acquired by a company called specific media and justin timberlake oh for an undisclosed sum But they figured that the undisclosed sum was as low as $35 million. So they paid $580 for it originally, and now it's down to $35. Rupert Murdoch went on to call MySpace, quote, a huge mistake. Not Fox News is a huge mistake, but... Well, that brings in the money. That brings in the money. And then finally, Time Inc. bought it in 2016. Now, Facebook is pretty much the way to go nowadays. That is the social networking site whether we like it or not it is facebook so after 2009 myspace you don't really hear about so much anymore except it does make the news a few times after 2009 in 2013 myspace did a redesign and that resulted in users losing access to all of their previous blog material So anything before June of 2013 just sort of went away. In May of 2016, the data for almost 360 million MySpace accounts was offered on the Real Deal dark market website. The leaked MySpace data included email addresses, usernames, and uh, weekly encrypted passwords. Finally, this is also very sad, in March of 2019, MySpace revealed that it had lost all their user content from 2015... And earlier, in a botched server migration with no backup, which meant over 50 million songs and 12 years of content were permanently lost. So MySpace, which was once a corporation valued at $580 million, has sort of become a punchline. Could this have been prevented? And could MySpace possibly return? We'll tell you. After the break. This was a thing. This was a thing.
2: And now, this is a sketch.
0: Why is it so dark in Sit here? Sit in that chair. Okay. Whoa. What's with that bright ass light? Why'd you take me off your top eight? I took all my friends off of my top eight. Yes, and replaced us with the cast of Knocked Up. That movie came out like two years ago. Yeah, but it still holds up. You know I love that movie. I saw it in theaters nine times! It was gone before I could get to an even ten! You don't even know these people! Yeah, but I feel like I do! I even messaged Jay Baruchel! No reply yet, but there's still time. It's not even Katherine Heigl's actual Myspace! But it is Harold Ramis's actual Myspace, which was surprising to me because I would never have guessed he would go on something like Myspace. What's your endgame here? No endgame! Just mad respect! I even got my brother to buy me one of those gas mask bongs that I'm going to bust out for my 18th birthday party next summer.
2: Wait, you're going to have an 18th birthday party next summer? Yeah, you're invited. Well, well, okay, now I get it. Yeah, uh, your top eight will explain the gas mask bong. It all makes sense. I just wish you would have started with that. All right, hold on. Let me turn this light off. Can
0: I get up from the chair? Thank you. This was a sketch. So as we said... Today, we use Facebook for just about everything. And Facebook has become such a powerful social networking site. It is the place you go for your news. It's the place you go for your friends. It's the place where your crazy uncles and aunts can post weird conspiracy theories. It's the place you hide your family members because you just don't want to see what they have to say anymore. Exactly. But it's also, in that regard, turned into this incredibly politicized platform, regardless of what side of the conversation you're on, you feel like Facebook is encouraging misinformation because there really is no sort of censor. I don't want to say censorship, but there's really no like where MySpace was like, post anything you want. Facebook now is also kind of like.
2: Yeah, that's not as much accountability as there used to be.
0: No. And now there's like Facebook jail. But what they put people in jail for and what they don't put people in jail for is so bizarre to me. And it was so interesting that when the election was going on and all this stuff was going on, MySpace started to get not a resurgence of a usership of their platform, but just people going, thank you, Tom. (laughs) Celebrating Tom, who kept it simple, who kept it innocent, and who never got involved in anyone's politics. So Tom has sort of made a little bit of a resurgence as the patron saint and people apologizing that they abandoned Tom. Tom never treated them the way MySpace has treated them. Thanks, Tom. Today, MySpace gets 50.6 million visitors a month. And according to the the former vice president, Sean Percival, could they have turned the MySpace ship around when they started to realize that Facebook was taking over social networking? And the answer is yes. All they really needed to do was just say, yeah, okay, Facebook does social networking. We do social media. We do social entertainment. So we're going to be your number one stop for musicians, Television shows, movies, that's all going to be through us. You want to do more personal stuff? Great. Go to Facebook. We're yep. not going to be a social network anymore. But they couldn't do that. We also have to remember that MySpace, like I said, was really good at making people who didn't have exposure get exposure. And there were a lot of great people that got their exposure through MySpace, like Panic at the Disco, Calvin Harris, and Adele. Tila Tequila. And Tila te- oh, Tequila. MySpace also gave us such a, an iconic, iconic moment with uh, a gentleman by the name of Chris Crocker. Do you know who Chris Crocker is, right?
2: Was this on MySpace first? Yes. Oh, wow. Do you want to tell the world who Chris Crocker is? I mean, he's Britney Spears' biggest fan, I'd say. She hasn't performed on stage in years. Her song is called Give Me More for a Reason, because all you people want is more, 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 more.
1: Leave her alone.
2: YOU'RE LUCKY SHE EVEN PERFORMED FOR YOU BASTARDS! LEAVE BRITTANY ALONE! PLEASE! Perez Hilton talked about professionalism and said if Britney was a professional, she would have pulled it off no matter what. Speaking of professionalism, when is it professional to publicly bash someone who's going through a hard time? LEAVE BRITTANY ALONE! (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: so thank you, MySpace, for giving us that, if nothing else. And Tom, where's Tom? Well, he's retired. oh I thought you were going to bring him in. Now Tom is into photography, and he's not really big on social media. But if you follow him on Instagram, you can see his beautiful photography that he does, where he goes all around the world and enjoys his life. And Tom, after all that you've given us, we could not be happier for you. Tila Tequila? Well, in 2011, she admitted she just really basically only uses Facebook. (gasps) It too, Tila Tequila. Wow. That's kind of fucked up. So that's the history and downfall of MySpace. (laughs) You want to play a game? Yes. Okay. Game is called Top 8. Uh Drop your pants and bend over. Okay. Hold on.
1: This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a, this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Guys, I have a confession to make. I never was on MySpace. Really? I didn't have a MySpace really? page. I, I went right to Facebook when it became available. In college was never on MySpace. Were you guys both oh, yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. And Live Journal. Mm, I think I did have a Live Journal. Uh, yeah. yeah, LJ. I I but one of the things I loved the most about MySpace was like you had to be friends with Tom, like the guy that yes, created you had it. to be friends you with. You did to be, you have to be with but you chose to be. <laughs> you chose to be. Yeah. And I, I remember like seeing other people's profiles, like who's this Tom guy everybody's friends with? Oh, he's a guy who made it. He's just an unimportant guy that you just have to be friends with. And I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Like, well, there's other Toms out there that you would rather be friends with, right? <laughs> okay. And I have a little game to see if you know all these Toms and how important they were. And a game called, hey, you know Tom? <laughs> Great. So I'm going to read clues about a famous fictional or non-fictional Tom. Rob and Ray, you're going to be working independently. It's another lightning round against each other to see how many you can get in an allotted amount of time. We'll see who gets more. I've got 10 Toms for each of you. Ray, you're going to go first. Mm. Brush up that Tom knowledge. Voldemort's real name. Uh, Tom, uh, uh, oh God. Next. The Godfather's German-Irish consigliere. Oh, God. Robert Duvall, next. George Carlin and Ringo Starr each played conductors on this show.
2: Thomas the Tank Engine.
1: Rosencrantz and Gilden are dead playwright.
2: Tom Bradley.
1: Fictional 1840s orphan who had a crush on Becky Thatcher. Tom Sawyer. The leader of the gang on the animated show Rugrats. Tommy. Pickles. Lead singer of Matchbox 20.
2: Oh, God. Smooth featuring <gasps> no, it, it, it,
1: That's Rob, last name. Thomas. There he is Wendy's uncle, uh, Dave Thomas. In 1991, he succeeded Thurgood Marshall as a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Oh, God, next. And he was stung to death by bees in the movie My Girl. Oh, uh, Macaulay Tomkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Macaulay Tomkin. Tom's Tom Hiddleston. No, 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 no. Tom. Are you still thinking of Voldemort? Yeah. Tom Riddle.
2: Tom Riddle!
1: I felt a lot of people out there. Hiddle. I had
2: the Hidddle. Trying iddle. to will,
1: will, will you to get oh, that yeah, right. Yeah,
2: and I just, ugh. Oh.
1: Tom Hagen was uh, The Godfather's German-Irish consigliere. What was it? Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen. Hagen, Tom H- Hagen. H- Hagen. H- Hagen. H- Hagen or Hayden? Hagen. H- Hagen with a G. Uh, Tom Stoppard wrote Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. You got Tom Sawyer, Tommy Pickles, Rob Thomas, the yeah. lead singer of Matchbox 20. Uh, Clarence Thomas was the Supreme Clarence Court Justice. Clarence Thomas, fuck. And Thomas J was who Macaulay Culkin played and was stung to death by oh, bees yeah. in the tragic 1990-something film. <laughs> My girl, Rob. Ugh, yeah. Let's see what you can do. Oh, boy. Former anchor and managing editor of NBC Nightly News for 22 Yes. Originally cast as Indiana Jones before backing out. Tom Selleck. Writer, director, and star of The Room. Tommy Wiseau. Canadian funny man and one half of the McKenzie brothers on SCTV. Dave Thomas. Welsh singer who has been collecting panties for nearly seven decades. Tom Jones. Gumball Machine Robot from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Tom Tom? Incorrect. Credited with inventing the light bulb. Thomas Alva Edison. This actor played Elliot in Spielberg's E.T. Uh, I don't know. Gravel-voiced experimental singer responsible for The Piano Has Been Drinking, Not Me. Tom Waits. Yes, and he played the middle son Randy on Home Improvement. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That is correct. Wow, Rob, I think the only one you missed was Tom Servo. Oh, okay. what, I thought you were going to say Zachary
0: Ty Bryan for a second there. <laughs> Would he be in your top eight? If he accepted me. Hey, I got, I got a question for you, Mark. Yes. Let's imagine that MySpace comes back and you can only do a top two. And Tom is already
1: in that top two. Mm-hmm.
0: So you only, only have one person left. Is it me or is it Ray?
1: I think you guys make a joint account called Ray Rob and we all share a friendship and we buck the system. Well, I, I want our production company to be Rob Ray instead of Rob Roy. Because they're two sexy guys.
0: Mm, Okay. In that case, uh, I choose Ray. Okay. Yeah, I understand. I would choose right, too. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed our episode on MySpace. Give a shout out to Tom. Follow him on Instagram where he's living his best (laughs) life. He really is. Mark, thanks so much once again for for giving us some hard Tom trivia. Folks, if you have any memories about MySpace, some good stories, anecdotes about your time on that wonderful website, hit us up. Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Until then, see you soon. Please keep us in your top eight. Accept my friend request, please.
2: Thanks for listening to this was a thing and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running our editor Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg our composer Billy better than DC Reesey our social media director Gabe hashtag Crawford our graphic designer Natalie's nothing's too graphic to Savia and finally our games coordinator Mark the shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisWasAThingPod and Facebook we are ThisWasAThingPodcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you.